presented by the Hockey Shop, Sorcerer Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. I'm your host, Darren Millard, and today we have a bit of a poll for the boys. You will also hear from the Hockey Shop and Cam about mm, smelling better, and we're not talking about cologne, although that may be work. I don't know whether you want to go down that line or not, but hey, being sexy on the ice just might translate feel good play good smell good it might all come together uh but i digress and carter hart of the philadelphia flyers will also stop by talk about burying the lead the second year national hockey leaguer has arrived on the scene and has been anointed the savior of the flyers organization he will chat to kevin woodley about what's happened so far in his young professional career and about the art of goaltending as we bring in the co-founders of InGoal Magazine, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison. Are you ready for my little poll that was conducted live on the air during my television broadcast uh, performance this week? Yeah, absolutely. Fire away. Looking forward okay. to getting our two cents in here. All right. The, there was three questions about goaltending. You had to name your starter, your backup, and your top tandem from the National Hockey League. The only rider was your backup couldn't be involved in the tandem because the idea that there's a tandem means you're splitting the load a little bit more compared to just a just a backup. Do you understand the qualifications? We do. We do. Okay. I, Hutch, I don't, you didn't give a games played number or anything like that? As no, I the... didn't. I kind of left it up to you be, to be somewhat obvious and Common when we, sense. When we created the Bunny LaRock Award at Ingoal Mag, uh, there was a games played mandate, so I just wanted to make sure. Maybe these are the this early is... season favorites for the Bunny Award. Come on. Okay. Hutch, this yeah. is like a poll on a random Tuesday or Thursday night in the National Hockey League. We're not making an award well, for this, so I'm not coming up with 35 different parameters. I was a yeah. science That's teacher. It. That's Sorry. it. Dad. Dad has once again been uninvited to the Vegas trip. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> no, he can doubly stay in his room uninvited. and come up with the parameters. I wasn't welcome the first <laughs> okay. time, and now I'm doubly not welcome. That's awesome. Your top goaltender right now in the National Hockey League, it doesn't have to necessarily play off what's occurred early on in the season, but who you consider to be the top goaltender in the NHL uh, as we play the 2019 2020 season and we will start with Hutch oh perfect so I'm gonna give you my answer then Woody will probably give the same answer but he'll back it up don't, with a bunch of fancy pants don't stats. try and justify it or or spin it before you even give us a name yeah no, I'm just saying pre prepare to be underwhelmed as I tell you that it's Carey Price uh I've always been a Price fan and I'm gonna remain a Price fan I know that there'd be a lot of interest in Vasilevsky probably and uh, there's no dispute. Oh, my goodness. You don't, Hang on. Build up your guy. Hang don't on. try and cover up the rest of the league. Well, no. Is that, I, fence, no. Getting, is that fence hurting when you're sitting on it like it that? Is. It is. Like, yeah, Where does it go? finish, children? Holy cow. No, I am not trying to sit on a fence or, Nick, put anybody else down. But I told you last week when I picked my, my Vesna favorite for the year, which is not looking good. Um, that I like to go outside the box a little bit. And I, I know Remind you can't say Carey Price is outside the box, but my reasoning was that that I don't like that the Vesna favorite every year is just based on wins. So I have to penalize Vasilevsky for playing for Tampa. 
and and go with Kerry because he has to carry a team, if not an entire province, uh, on his own back. So that's why I am in favor of Kerry Price as the top goaltender in the league. Who did you take for the Vesna last week? Uh, I'm going to take the fifth on that. <laughs> Somebody will have to go back just... to a previous uh, episode and listen to it Good because point. I don't want to admit it publicly now. Uh, what you just said about carrying a province on his back, nobody ever says he has to carry the entire state of Nevada on his back. Well, there is but, that. Uh, but we do refer to it as a province uh, in, in, in Quebec. Okay, uh, Woody, who is your top goaltender? As much as I hate to make Dad feel good, um, and, and actually it would be easier to pick Vasilevsky here because he's off to a great start and Kerry isn't. Like I still think Price is the guy. Uh, we've talked about it before. When you break down the numbers from last season, despite a slow start, and you factor in like clear sight analytics, 34 points of data, you really measure shot quality in terms of pre-shot movement and screens. There was only one goalie in the entire NHL that was better than Andre Vasilevsky, and that was Carey Price. And that's why I'm sticking with him, not because we spent a day with him in August, not because he's been really good to us over the years. Wow. I just still think he's the gold standard. Now, listen. Told you fancy Hutch, pants stats were coming out. People overlook Vasilevsky because he plays behind a great team. Like they are not great defensively and they lean heavily on him. And he is absolutely in that conversation. Remember when we had him on the podcast briefly last year for a quick interview, I said in my mind, he was in that conversation now as the best goaltender in the world. Yep. And it is him and price. I'm just going to stick with Kerry right now because it would look like a chicken crap maneuver to pick him for the Vesna last week and then bail out because four games in the Canadians can't defend. You guys like, covered off of five ways to Sunday to make sure that you weren't going to get into trouble there. I think he just called me chicken crap for not taking my Vesna yeah. pick as the best goalie in the league. I went with Vasilevsky. And this this is funny. There's five people that I've done this with, the the three of us, and I count myself, and then uh, Gary Lawless uh, from the Vegas Golden Knights and Mike McKenna. And nobody, I'm the only one that took Vasilevsky, which wow. shocks me. Wow, I am too. I'm uh, shocked. You're in Vegas. That's a smart play. Like that's if I if you, asking me this question in terms of my opinion versus who am I putting money on? Like absolutely. If I had to make a big bet, it's on Vasilevsky because of all the other factors, and he's freaking good. Um, yeah, he's so he he's been a revelation to me over the last two years. How you you freaking you use that word? Yep. He is a freak. Yeah. He's, he, they call him Big Cat, and it's such an appropriate nickname because there's so much power, so much. Like, his ability to generate power from end-of-range flexibility, like, he's fully mm -hmm. extended. You think there's nothing, and he can still make an explosive, explosive push. And I know the work he does, uh, dating back to his days when he would go to Ottawa in the summer, to generate that type of strength and power. Like, he's an elite specimen physically. He's got the athleticism. There's still a little more movement and extra wasted movement and sort of moving out of the way type of stuff in his game than I would like. And I think maybe that speaks to some of the ups and downs that every goalie rides to varying degrees. Um, but he's, like I said, he's said it last year. I'm not going to change it. He's in the conversation, but I'm also not going to bail on my pick from a week ago and, and pick Kerry. Who is the best backup? And I will start here. I went with Anton Hudobin of the Dallas Stars as the best backup because Bishop will play a majority of the games. Uh, I wish I wish I could take Bishop and Hudobin as a tandem, but Bishop just he's just going to play too much. Um, 
Uh, I, I love Anton Hudobin. I love what he's uh, developed into. And and as a backup to be able to put him in is uh, is a massive luxury for the Dallas Stars. Woody. I'm going with Curtis McElhenney because as soon as you said it wasn't a tandem situation, you couldn't pick your tandem. Uh, I thought in my mind, this is best pure backup. So who's that guy? Who's that pure backup? Now, McElhenney showed last year with Carolina that he was capable of being much more than a pure backup, but his ability to play well despite large gaps between starts to me is like, that's the definition. That's what makes the job so bloody tough. He did it in Toronto two years ago, like every 12, almost 13 days between starts. And he posts a 934. Incredible. That is so hard. And then he goes into Carolina last year. And when you needed him to go on a run to play, you know, a bunch in a row, he did that. When you needed him to sit and watch a, a hot Peter Morazic for a while and then come back in and play well, he did that. No better example than the playoffs. He watches Morazic in round one, comes in cold, and plays exceptionally well. I would argue that part of Carolina's problem in terms of, the, you know, the, when they eventually lost was not sticking with Curtis and going back to Morazic, and, and he struggled in the first couple of games back off the injury. Like, to me, that, you know, he may not be the best goaltender, have the highest ceiling of guys currently in that role, but if you define backup and pure backup and everything that position means on and off the ice with teammates late in practice and still being able to maintain your game, I think McElhenney's just just done it at such an exceptional level. And take a look at what Tampa did. Like, Louis Domingue set a franchise record for consecutive wins last year, and they still felt that McElhenney was an upgrade. No disrespect to Louis at all, but that just shows you how good Curtis is in that role. And he makes backup money. First time in his entire professional career, he's making a million dollars, which is inc incredible because he's been around for a long time. Uh, Hutch, your backup. I feel bad having to choose the same person as Woody, but uh, he's convinced me over the years. Are you guys going two for two? No, no. Well, I, yeah, just, I yeah, knew he was doing yeah. this. I was just glad I got to go first this time. I know. He got to get all his fancy pants. Um, I would like to just have sort of two honorable mentions because I, I agree with him. But I've got two honorable mentions. Um, Soros in uh, Nashville. Uh, I love him as a goaltender. And I love him as a fellow short goaltender. And, uh, and I also have to pick uh, Hutch in Toronto. And I don't know why. Why would I pick Hutch? I don't, I don't know either. Can't think of any reason. I, I, no, isn't it interesting, um, though? I'm I mean, just thinking. Just, just flipping through. I mean, it's super early in the season, but flipping through some of the stats, uh, save percentage and goals against average, and a lot of people that we would love to to mention for this and for other goaltending awards, um, not off to a great start. I mean, yeah, I, Hudobin, I'm, I'm sort of not doing putting great, that aside a little Saros bit. Saros not doing great. Uh, Hutch not great. So, I mean, it's super early, obviously, but um, yeah, interesting. Do you think Laviolette, when he decide and names his starter, uh, goes? Just goes with big guy, little guy. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Pekka and Pekka's son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best tandem. And for that, we will start with Woody for best tandem that you would take. It's almost like uh, like a fantasy league uh, where, where you're taking the goaltending. Who would, you, who would you select? I was tempted to go with Dallas because I think Hudobin is the perfect foil for Bishop. Like Bishop plays in an elite Vezina caliber level. And mm -hmm. when he's on one of those roles, you need a guy every two weeks. I think Hudobin is good every two weeks, but where he's great is when you need him for two weeks straight. 
And when Bishop's your number one, you need that. But despite that, like I think he was a great signing and that's a great tandem. I, I got to go with Boston because you've basically got two proven starting goaltenders in Yaro Halak and Tuka Rask. And just how good Yaro's been uh, after a tough season that would have been tough on any goaltender playing behind the all-star game style uh, approach of the New York Islanders two years ago. He's been so good in Boston. And that's allowed Tuca to be better because he doesn't have to play as much as he used to. And it's just, it's a perfect situation. I think Yaro's the starting goaltender or fighting for a starting spot on a lot of teams still. And the fact that you have him coming off the bench in Boston to relieve your, you know, potential Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame goaltender in Tuca Rask, um, that's a pretty nice luxury to have, mm-hmm. even at two and a half million on the backup tag. Yeah, I went with Boston as well, and uh, uh, for for much of the same reason that you have basically two starters, and it's not it's not like Anaheim where you have Ryan Miller there, but he's at the end of his career. Uh, Halak still has has runway left and has done made that transition very very well. Played more than I thought he would last year, uh, but I I think you would be comfortable with uh, with either guy, and it's proven true. So uh, two votes for Boston. Hutch, if you take if you go three for three with with Woody, I'm going to flag this whole conversation. Okay, well, <laughs> three for three. That's the most uh, pure. Um, that's the most pure tandem. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not even sure how you can pick any, right. anybody else. Uh, and if well, Chicago, did you go? Uh, well, remains, Leonard and maybe and a little early. Little early to say that. It remains to be seen how that that gets used over a longer season. Um, although that, that came to mind and, and also wondered about Laner as the backup, depending on how they, they use him. But, um, I mean, they were there as one and one a last year. And if you look at the early season stats, there they are at two and four again in the league save percentage list. Um, for sure. That's my, my pure tandem. But since I like to go a little bit outside the box, I let's give a little warning here for, uh, for uh, Reimer and Mrazek to uh, maybe later on in the season be in the conversation. I think Carolina, if they continue having a good run, those two will be a good tandem. Okay, here's one that got some votes. Arizona. Oh, that's absolutely like anti-Ranta two goes. years ago when Heltha was, Yeah, I mean, statistically the best goaltender in the NHL. Limited sample size. It was him and Marc-Andre Fleury. If it wasn't for the games played thing, they both got 45 two years ago. They both would have been in the Vesna conversation. Um, and then Ranta got hurt. And I got to be honest, I liked Darcy Kemper a lot, but I didn't see this level of upside. And no. Arizona did. And it's funny, John Chakas talked about it, how there was something in their statistical analysis, things that Darcy did well statistically that they thought would fit with how they defended and the types of chance they gave up statistically so they went and got him and whatever they saw was more than what i saw because as much as i liked him i didn't see that upside and i have time for that argument darcy kemper is proving himself as a number one and a healthy rant that has shown he can play at an elite level reminds me of grubauer guys and this is a shift we're seeing how many of those guys we talked about struggling um get locked in a little low and wide the game's so lateral if you are a tight compact narrow stance goaltender who can 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 maintain that on the feet and beat plays laterally on the feet. Um, I, I think that bodes well for you. And to me, that's anti-Ranta and, and Philip Grubauer's game to a T. So I absolutely have time for the Arizona argument. I, I actually wish I'd maybe made it just to be a dissenting opinion. 
I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated just by that stats question about Kemper and and what it was that they saw. But I guess that's something that's probably proprietary, and they'd not be interested in sharing with us. Well, I can I'll, tell you, yeah? but uh, I'd have but to kill it would, you. It would, it would, yeah, and and I think that uh, that you're more valuable as our conscience than you would be uh, <laughs> well, be, be uh, deceased only to, as a corpse. Only to say, only to say that would have been a fantastic guest to break that down for us because I'd love to to go mm. a little deeper to see what they're looking at. No, I'll, I'll I'll work on uh, on getting some information there on uh, on on Darcy Kemper. He he's much bigger than I ever thought he was in in being in in the room and watching him practice and being around the rink a little bit. He just he's bigger than than he looks on television when you when you watch a game yeah. and uh, and he moves really. He's a good skater. Yeah, and he and that allows him to play aggressively for his size. Like, watch how many saves, reactive saves he makes outside the paint. Sometimes I watch where he is, and I'm like, man, you just don't need to be out there. But he's pulling yeah. it off. And part of that is being able to trust the structure behind you on the back door and things like that. But uh, you're right, Darren. He skates really well for a big guy, and he's just he's you know he's evolved. It's uh, it's been fun to watch. Like I said, I've always been a fan, but I didn't see. I'd be lying if I said I saw this level of upside, and that gives Arizona, you know, like. Like you said, arguably a tandem that should be in the conversation as one of the better ones in the league, if not the best. One so, more, and then we'll uh, go ahead. Uh, I just like I just curious to know what the other votes were from your broadcast partners. Uh, Arizona, Boston, and Anaheim. Anaheim uh, went yeah. went went with uh, John Gibson because Gibson ends up usually getting, ends up banged up, and Ryan Miller's done a really good job yep, stepping in there. For sure, uh, probably falls under the more backup umbrella right now uh but but yeah anaheim uh anaheim was there you know who didn't get a vote which in in, when you look at the the names and the numbers and the performances uh is the new york islanders oh and the new york rangers uh also got uh vote for best tandem because of the switch that's uh that's going to happen there so the two new york teams one got a vote in the rangers in uh, Georgiev and and Lundqvist and the Islanders didn't, but with Semyon Varlamov and Thomas Grice, should they? Too soon. Yeah, too. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I'm telling you, I like this is this is going to be an interesting one to follow. Um, and I know everybody wants to hear from Carter Hart. We'll get to it in a minute, folks. But <laughs> this to me, um, Varlamov with the Islanders, I see all the upside for sure. But Laner, walking on Laner, passing on Laner to go pursue Varlamov and give him that term, I don't think people realize how much a how much bigger a project Varlamov is in terms of getting him to buy into and change and make the adjustments that a goalie coach like or the director of goaltending Mitch Korn is gonna want. And we saw Laner adjust pretty quick to those. It wasn't always perfect, um, but it was a conscious effort. And I just think you know, we know how Mitch likes to get his goalies playing tight and moving as one piece laterally. And Varlamov, as explosive as he is, man, there is a lot of open and close in that movement. And I know that it's it's it it's not. I just don't think it's going to be as easy as snap a finger. You're behind a good team defensively. Everything is going to be easier for you as a goaltender, as maybe some people think. And I think this process could take a little more time. Um, not that Laner didn't, but I just I think this one could take even longer, frankly. And it's going to be one, giving what they walked from in Laner and how good a fit that seemed to be, that's worth keeping an eye on because it's not just for a year now; it's for four. 
Well, a good sentiment, and that leads us to our gear segment uh, as it regards to scent and uh, and the, the senses. No, no common sense around here. Uh, just uh, I never expected this from uh, from the hockey shop, the hockey shop dot com source for sorts, Surrey. But th- th- what what they do is even even covers and maybe it spills over to your personal life and 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 makes you more popular, Woody. Yeah, I know. And again, we talk about it, right? I walked down to the basement. And by the way, that was an all-time segue, like just <laughs> all-time Hall of Fame segue. We're submitting that one to the Segway Hall of Fame. Um, you go down there. I talk about it in the gear segment with Cam. You're surrounded by all the latest and greatest. Bauer, Brian, CCM, uh, Vaughn, Warrior, uh, just walls of pads and gloves and experts that can help you find the gear that's going to fit your game but they've got everything else. Last week it was danglers and parts and when to replace your cage and that knowledge from playing the position for decades. This week it's stink spray. Like it's not just about having your gear. It's about protecting your gear and making sure that it lasts a little longer. And there's a safety element in terms of bacteria, but also let's be honest for those of us who are getting older and are married and have kids. It's kind of nice when your garage doesn't stink like a hockey locker room. Yep. And so they have a product for that. And much like, say, sourcing um, the lizard skin glove because it's better than a batting glove, they have sourced products unique to them or found products that are used in other industries that they think would be great for hockey and brought them in rather than just buying what everyone else buys. A couple of these products that the hockey shop sells that we're about to talk about are, I've never seen them in another sports store, and I can tell you firsthand they work. So that's why you should check out the Hockey Shop Source for Sports in Surrey, British Columbia, in the suburbs of Vancouver, and that's why you should definitely check out thehockeyshop.com and make sure you listen to me and Cam going back and forth here uh, on the evolution of Stink Spray and the options they have. Stay to the end because there's a way you can save 20% on your order and help make your garage and your life and your hockey bag smell a whole lot sweeter. We have a code, a code alert. Smell good, play good. Here it is at the Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports out here in Surrey, British Columbia. We're in the basement with Cam Matwiv in the basement. It's actually, it's not a fair description. It's a little slice of goalie heaven. Uh, we're in the main room. We're not hiding in the back, trying to slip it in between customers on a... Uh, a busy midweek afternoon. I'm I'm surrounded by all the latest, greatest equipment from CCM, Brian's, Vaughn, Bauer, Warrior. Just like it's 360. I do a spin and my head actually does spin with a goaltending. But we are going to switch gears today and talk about a product that helps you keep all this great gear, especially the gloves. And I'm looking at a glove wall. It's like one, two, three. What are, how many gloves are on this wall? Have you ever counted? Gloves and blockers. So it's got to be like three, four hundred. Uh, I don't think it's that much, but I think we're it's well, up I'm, there for sure. Okay, I'm going to do the math. I'm going to start counting rows and depth of. Maybe that how... can be a contest one day. We'll take a picture of it all. If someone can make the correct guess, we'll we'll come up with some. They win a lunch with Cam Matwiff. <laughs> You're buying celebrity lunch with Cam Matwiff. Okay, well we're going to talk about stink spray, for lack of a better term. Uh, Odor spray. Yeah, if you haven't picked up on it now uh, or caught the hand, I brought down these three odor sprays because last time I played with you, your gear was pretty humming along. So, um, so I thought, uh, what better thing to talk about today than uh, you know some odor sprays? Well, I'm gonna correct you there because it. Well, it's a good chirp on your part to say that I stink. 
Um, it is true literally in terms of my performance, but it has never been true in terms of the odor of my gear because I use one of these products religiously and it's kept me married in a garage that has like up to 12 sets of equipment at a time for testing purposes and guys bringing back stinky equipment. I have to have a spray. So you're full of crap. But um, <laughs> nice chirp, nice try. Uh, let's start by just having you walk us through. We've we got three different brands here. We're going to do an Ingle 20 discount on these ones this week, um, which means if you're like me and you were at home and your wife was just like absolutely all over you because your gear stunk and she couldn't stand it, you need to take advantage of this. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll end up at the one that I use, but we'll start with one that I haven't used, but you've got some people in store that have, and that's Sport Cleanse. Cam, walk me through this product. It sounds like it's one that actually goes on odorless. Yeah, so this sports kind of stuff, um, we used to have a fellow here, his name is Ryan. Shout out to Ryan if you're listening to the podcast. Um, he religiously swore by the sports cleanse. So he's a day one immediate user of the sports cleanse. So the first time he gets a piece of equipment on ice, he religiously soaks it in this stuff. And I can even guarantee with my own nose that he brought it by and it's more than acceptable. Like it doesn't reek, it doesn't smell, it kind of just smells like nothing. It okay. would be the best way to describe it. So um, their big stick is that they're saying they're killing 99.9% of all odor-causing bacteria and things like that. Um, as you and I both know, once you really start to sweat into something, and if you're not taking care of it, that's when it starts to smell. That's when it starts to get slimy because that's the bacteria. Like Those are all these things that, from what he's told me and from what I saw after an extended use of time, um, that it prevents from happening. Okay, so there's a vote for Sport Cleanse from somebody who's used it, and we've talked about it before. That's why you come to the Hockey Shop Gold Department. It's because it's not just guys that play the position or talk about the position. They love the position. They play it enough and often enough and sweat heavily enough that they need to use this stuff. Second product is one we have don't have intimate use for uh, or experience with, um, but you've had some some anecdotal feedback from customers. That's the Captodor, Captodor Sports Gear Equipment Odor Destroyer. Um, whereas the sports cleanse is a clear liquid. This is a blue liquid, uh, comes in a 500 mil for 1499. Of course, in goal 20, you get 20% off that. Uh, what's been the feedback on this product cam? So this is one where, um, capital order, they've been nice of us, uh, to provide us with a couple of samples. So actually for customer skates that have been rather, uh, smelly, the guys in the sharpening department have given it a couple of spritz before they go to go grind Grind them on the wheels That's and whatnot. Exactly. We're always <laughs> praising Cecil for the job he does creating edges, but him and his crew, what we don't give them enough credit for is the fact that they put up with stinky, stinky gear coming in and stinky, other people's wet, feet. Wet gear. Wet gear is the worst. <laughs> and th- 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 there's a little public service announcement from In Goal Radio podcast to goalies everywhere. Unless you absolutely don't have a choice, let your wheels dry before you bring them into your local <laughs> sharpening. It's just kind of sick to have to grab a set. I've did, I did, I sharpened in when I was in college, I did that as a part-time job. There's nothing worse than having to grab somebody's stinky, sweaty wheels and put them on the grinder. So there's a PSA from us to you, but it sounds like they use, they use this product and had some success reduce the stink. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I, I will say out of all this, you know, the sprays that we carry, this one has a little bit more of that chemically smell. Um, if that's the best way to describe it, but it does neutral, like it'll nullify that really bad stank. So I would almost put this in the classification when you know, your gear is like pretty gone. At least this will make it a little bit more tolerable. So bringing it back to life now. Okay. Last, but certainly not least, because as I've said, I use this one myself. This is power nature's odor neutralizer. This is their sport brand. They make a couple other different products for things like cars and other things. This is specifically for sports equipment. 
some of you out there may know it by its former name, which was Hitman. Uh, they changed the branding. Hitman and the old uh, skull wearing a, a hockey helmet might have been a little aggressive for the hockey mom. So <laughs> they mellowed it out. But I can say from experience that this is a product that works. And I've talked about this in the past, like with all the test equipment we have in the garage and multiple testers bringing it back, junior kids taking it out for a week, not always in a situation where they can dry it every time. Um, some senior league goalies who have a particular musk, shall we say, aroma that, com- that comes back with the gloves, uh, always needing to get it clean. This has been my go-to. Now I will say, um, it does have a bit of a smell. It's a natural smell, but you, you, you thought it's a bit maybe- more floral almost yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. It, I'm not saying you're going to make your gear smell like flowers, but. Well, but this is the thing. Going on, you smell it. And like you said, you, you felt like it might be more of a mask the odor type product. You definitely smell it when you spray it. You smell it as the dryer in the garage is, is sort of drying it. But I find that it really is a neutralizer that you end up with gear that just doesn't stink at all. Now, the one thing I will say is because we've had different people test it. To me, this is a product that needs to go on every time. And if you're a guy that's going to let it sit in a bag and sweat and stink for a week and then throw this on once, it's not going to help you. I found that when we get gear back that stinks a lot, it's got a heavy smell, I treat it with this three or four times. Soak it with the spray. And it's got a really fine mist, so I find the bottle lasts longer um, than some other products. Soak it with a fine spray, let it dry, do it again. After two or three, the scent is gone. From there on, you really just need to use it religiously. But it's not a product where you can use it every four or five times and expect it to do the same job. To me, every time I'm off the, off the ice and out of the gear, as I hang it in the garage, it's a spray in the chesty, it's a spray in the pants, a spray in the gloves, and let it dry. Maybe one quick spray in, in, the, in the skates. And it's really done a great job. So that's the Power Sport product. Um, like we said, this one retails for $17.99 for a 500 ml bottle. But all of these products, you can buy refills, and those will be on the Ingoal 20 discount code as well. Rather, once you find one you like, and this is what I do, you just keep the spray nozzle and you buy the big refill bottle. So it's a, it's a lot cheaper than that. We'll make sure we send links out from the podcast on our social media channels, let you know where you can find it, how to take advantage of it. Um, choose the product that's right for you. Give it a sample on the Ingoal 20 podcast discount. Uh, and let me just say that everyone in your life Everyone around you that has to walk through your garage or be in your car will thank you for this. (laughs) They sure will, Kevin. They sure will. Perfect. Cam, thank you for this. It was a nice quick hit. How to make your gear not stink. I do appreciate the chirp off the top, but as I said, it's it's most decidedly not true. Um, Performance stinks. Yes, my gear does not, and that's thanks to power. Make sure you check it out at thehockeyshop.com or in person at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports, uh, and make sure you don't stink as well. (laughs) Thanks, Kevin. I love it because one of the first things we ever talked about, uh, and and Hutch made fun of me, but uh, was the fact that my my gloves stink, and I've actually changed gloves not because they were worn out, but because they just smell too bad, and I couldn't figure out a way to to save them, so I moved on. Hutch, what's it like not to stink? <laughs> oh, you're talking about you my- you you are you <laughs> well you no you carry it like a badge of honor. I don't smell. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to be that way. Of course, my gloves smell. They don't smell too bad this year because I haven't been on the ice very much. But no, it's important to look after that. And I think we need to to dig into this and 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 use it. I mean, to have to change your five $600 glove because it smells uh, instead of using a product like this and caring for your gear is uh, is crazy. So I think it uh, should be in every toolkit. Code alert. 
You have to break a sweat to have your yeah, gloves yeah. thing. Yeah, punch, right? yeah, like, yeah, true. Yeah. In goal 20, boys. In goal 20, make sure you go. We'll put up the link on social media. You can just go to thehockeyshop.com and, and, and search for sports spray, and you'll find the options. They all come with an in goal 20. Just use it at checkout if you're buying online at thehockeyshop.com, and you too can, uh, can smell better. For me, it was the garage, guys. Like, we talk about, you know, I'd be honest with you, I don't stink either. I got, I got kind of a nice musk to me but not all our not not all of our testers can say the nobody same nobody uses more product we, than woody uh, hey listen like this is not putting this together i know this is a this is this is not a visual um medium but putting this together is not easy guys no so <laughs> it takes it takes product and it takes time he's got more um, shelf space in but, the bathroom than his wife and two girls combined takes me longer to get out of the bathroom in the morning than both of them too <laughs> listen um that's because you're this, playing Sudoku or whatever this, the thing's called. We have we pride ourselves in our reviews that we get our gear out. It's not just me wearing it. It's not just Hutch wearing it. We get our gear out to a lot of different guys. And not all of them can dry them or treat them the same way we can. So if we've got it out like there, you know, we had a set of gloves uh, and pads that were out with the junior A kid um, for two weeks this summer. And they came back black from the puck marks because he was on the ice every day in them. And that means he was soaking the sweat in them every day. And so they didn't smell bad, but they smelled, you know, like they'd been sweated in and, and they've been dried, but not treated. Um, the product I talked about there in the, in the podcast, in the gear segment is one where I do believe you, you, you can treat it two or three times and the scent will essentially disappear. You do need to keep treating it. Like you can't just leave it and, and let it stink for two weeks. It'll come back. But um, I'm a big fan of that stuff probably saved my marriage in some respects my wife was sick and tired of the garage smelling like gear and it doesn't anymore so that's you know as a company at Ingle that can have as much as like 10 12 sets floating around and testing and all this stuff uh and then it comes back it's important to sort of reduce the stench and and make our garage a livable livable environment for my family and this product does it so i'd recommend it what did you say? You have a nice musk about you. It's <laughs> I, I, yeah. a great description of Woody's smell. <laughs> I've never heard that said about uh, somebody discussing themselves. Well, um, uh, with uh, all due respect to everybody else, and uh, this is just a, a blatant attempt to make a segue. Uh, no uh, harm intended. But uh, Carter Hart has been. Uh, he, he he sort of carries the moniker of uh, of of making Philadelphia smell better because he's taken away uh, some of the aroma of past net miners and the slump that they've gone through in their crease. Hutch, stop looking at me that way uh, and sending me telepathic notes to stop talking about this. But uh, Carter Hart has transitioned the Philadelphia Flyers crease and given them a reason to be optimistic. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on them. There's certainly expectations uh, professionally on him to to do this now and do it for a long period of time. And Kevin Woodley caught up with the second year goaltender for the Philadelphia Flyers to discuss not just crease activity, but his journey to the National Hockey League and what goes into the mental side of it. So here is an interview with Carter Hart with reaction and statements that you have not heard or will hear anywhere else. Carter Hart on Ingoal Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports, Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
So I think the place we got to start is you're coming like, does anybody who does the schedule have a map? You guys start in Europe, you stop off at home in Philadelphia, and now you're in Vancouver. Where, where's the body clock at? What do you like? What do you now as a professional do to manage that travel? I, yeah, I mean, it's it's been crazy with all the travel we have. Um, I think going into it, you try and plan as much as you can, but really when you're tired, you sleep. And that's, that's kind of just what I felt when I'm tired, I'm going to go to sleep. And then when I'm awake, I'm going to wake, wake up. But, um, we went over to Europe. Uh, we came back the Saturday. Uh, so the next day after the game on Friday, um, we stayed up pretty late actually that night. Um, so I think that actually might've helped honestly in my transition back. Because the time I went to bed, it was probably midnight. No, it's probably 10 or 11 back home in uh, Philly. And the next day, like I, I stayed up as late as I could throughout the day. I didn't sleep on the plane because I didn't want to fall asleep. I wanted to stay awake so that when I hit the pillow, I was exhausted. And I think I went to bed at like midnight the next day. And I slept right through to like 9 a.m. And like that, that kind of helped me get back kinda on reset track. It for yeah. You. Okay. And then coming out here, we're. we're I mean, we're only home for a couple of days and come out here. We're three hours behind. Um, I felt it a little bit this morning. I woke up at, I think, 630 and I was pretty much wide awake. But um, I'm sure tonight I'll get a good sleep and I'll be all good. I'll be all good. So what a way to start your first full season. What I mean, with all the success you had late last year, what kind of a like what did last year in the second half do for you in terms of your preparation this summer? And your expectations or mindset, maybe expectations is the wrong word, but your mindset coming into this year, and then you got to kick it off with all this crazy travel. But like, what was, what is from last year, first time up and having that success into the summer, what changed for you? What did you do differently? What was the learning curve? Um, I learned a lot last year. And I mean, being around the guys every day, what they do on a daily basis, how they take care of their bodies. Uh, I know we were just talking earlier about, um, JVR and what he does. And um, I think he's a guy who really pays attention to that side of the game and really opened my eyes. He's kind of taken me under his wing um, on that side of the game and, and how he warms up, how he cools down, um, how he, how much treatment he gets on a, on a regular basis um, for things in his body that may be bothering him or things he wants to loosen up or um, his nutrition, all of that. And, and he's got all these different little gadgets and tools He's got a little chair that he had, brings everywhere for uh, when we sit down like for a long period of time on a plane or uh, on the bus. He's got a little like seat thing cushion that's supposed to help with your back posture. And he's got all these different kinds of tools. And But it's pretty cool to see how he looks at things that's on that side of the game. And um, this summer, that was an approach I really had uh, going into this summer was I wanted to make sure that I took the best care of my body that I possibly could going into this year. Cause I learned that we play almost every second night and it can be some quick turnarounds. I think we have 17 back to backs this year. So I think that's going to be a crucial part of uh, my lifestyle is making sure that um, I'm taking care of my body as best as I can. I'm eating the right things, I'm getting as much sleep as I can. I'm doing all the little things um, off the ice uh, to prepare so that I can perform at my, at my best. Now it's funny cause there's a phrase for that. And we hear it quite often when we talk about, you'll ask somebody will take a step in their career. It's usually a little later to be honest with you. And you'll ask his teammates and they'll be like, always oh, learn how to become a good pro. And it sounds to me like all those things are part of being a pro. Is that stuff that like some of it, you learned some of it, you expected, have you always kind of had a mindset where you, you take care of that business? Cause I remember even talking to you in Everett, 
And it would be like, hey, I got to do my cool down before I get on the bus, right? So let's let's schedule the talk in and around that. Have you always sort of had that mentality of wanting to make sure you take care of all the little details so that when you're on the ice, everything else is sort of in the back of the mind. You don't have to worry about it. You're prepared. Yeah, I mean, I think I've had a good support system back home of trainers and coaches. Uh, my trainer back home, Phil Daly, has been a huge help for me. I've been with him for six years. Um, I think that's kind of where it started with um, training like a pro every day, um, and having pros around in the gym to see what they do and how they take care of themselves and how hard they work. And even skating with guys in the summer and being around them, um, and then getting my first taste in the American league at 18, being around them, um, all of that has really helped. And I mean, like you, you just got to try and be a sponge as much as you can. And there's so many different things and new things that are being brought to the game of hockey and to the sport of hockey, um, that, you never want to just stay uh, fixed to one one thing. There's so many other things that that are out there that could maybe work for you and could help you be better. Um, so I think that's one thing that over the years I've I've kind of learned is um, my warm warm up from when I was 15 to now when I'm 21 has completely changed. And I mean I follow the same routine before every game, before every practice now, but that's something that has been built up over the past probably five, six years and different things that I've learned, I've added in. Now, can you give me a couple of examples? I mean, the one thing you have is with our audience is it's all goaltenders, right? So it's all going to be young goaltenders who are looking for little takeaways that they can, hey, maybe I, maybe this will help me be the next Carter Hart or help me take the next step from, you know, peewee into bantam. So what are some of the things, can you give us any takeaways in terms of what you do to prepare and how that's evolved? One thing actually that's really changed uh, for me has been my stretching routines um, I used to stretch every night before bed for 40 plus minutes. I was, I'd roll out for about 50 minutes and then the next half hour, I would just stretch static stretching since I was probably 14 years old. Um, I had no problem going to the splits, but, uh, as I got older, I mean, I'm still, I'm 21, but, um, it's all relative. My, yeah. I mean, my flexibility started declining and I was kind of wondering what I'm doing. Like I'm stretching every night. Like what's going on here? Like my body is getting tighter. I can't go down into places I used to. Um, and then I just started talking with other guys and other players, like um, and, and other strength coaches. And um, I, I started to move into uh, dynamic stretching before bed instead of static. Um, static stretching. I mean, first of all, you're cold before bed. You're not like you're not doing a warm up, ten minute bike ride or. A uh, quick jog, um, so you're you're just stretching cold muscles, and you keep pulling on pulling at them when they're cold. They're gonna start tearing up, and they're gonna start feeling sore. And gradually, I think that's kind of what happened. My muscles started to kind of uh, get get a little bit more tense and shriveled up than uh, as loose as they used to have been. And so I started going into dynamic stretching before bed, um, and I've seen my flexibility uh, come back and increase. Um, actually quite a bit in the last, I started last year. So, uh, I've seen it kind of come back a lot. Um, so are you like, like you're like dynamic, obviously there's movement involved. You're, you're warming up as yeah. you're, I mean, are you breaking a sweat at this point or like a uh, little bit, but I mean, I'm in my apartment. I just have my yoga mat on the floor. Um, and I'm just doing kind of stationary lunges or, uh, different kind of open up uh, exercises that I do with my hips or, uh, with my shoulders, um, instead of just doing the static uh, butterfly stretch or the static pigeon stretch. I add a little bit of mobility into that and a little bit of movement. Um, and I, I mean, you do break out a little bit of a sweat, but, um, at the end of the day, my body feels a lot better that I do that. And that's how I warm up now too. And, 
Uh, I think my body has definitely thanked uh, myself for doing that. I mean, I feel a lot better um, in the net and practice. I feel good right from the beginning. Um, so I think that's something that has, I've, has changed for me and has, has really helped. Well, I can tell you right now, like one of our frequent contributors at Ingle Magazine over the years, Maria Mountain, uh, who trains a lot of goalies, has talked about this in the past. She's going to love hearing this because <laughs> it's coming from another goalie. So sometimes goalies will listen more to another goalie, but this is a perfect lesson and a perfect Well, my away. biggest thing was just I would stretch before bed every night and just watch TV, like just sit there and stretch. And like, Mika I mean, Kippersoff. Me, Kipper, Kipper used to stretch three hours on a game day. A lot of it was static. He would do 45 minutes before skate, 45 after, 45 minutes before the game, and then 45 after before wow. he went to bed. But like you said, maybe his was dynamic and we didn't know it, but like yeah. some guys just, that's their routine, right? Watch a little TV, turn the mind off a bit and stretch. Well, I mean, that's something for me that helped me relax before bed too and just kind of get my mind off of things. But I mean, now, like, I mean, I feel fine. I, I do my dynamic stretching. I feel I've, I feel a little bit warm before bed, but um, I've also gotten into cold showers before bed too to kind of help cool my body down and help me get a good night's sleep. Now, are you a cold shower in the morning guy? Because we not. spent a little time with John Stevenson this summer and he was yeah. telling us about some of the routines he's got. So have you gone into that sort of shock therapy? So I'm more of a cold shower at night guy to help me sleep. Um, so when I actually got called up last year uh, in December, I had, couldn't sleep for about two weeks. I was so nervous. Really? And... Uh, my night before my first game, I think I slept maybe five hours, maybe less. Um, so I started getting back into more body scan techniques, meditation techniques. Um, it was helping, but it wasn't really uh, helping me still get a great, great full night's sleep. Um, so then we got into a bit of the Wim Hof method there with uh, some cold showers. And um, no, I think cold showers have helped me to cool my body down before bed and get a good sleep. And um, in the morning when I'm tired, I, I will cold shower for five minutes to wake me up. But, um, I remember the one game, actually, every time we do have a one o'clock game, cause last year we had a ton of one o'clock games on Saturday. Um, I would cold shower because I pretty much just wake up and go to the ring. Like I wake up, eat breakfast and go to the ring. Right. You so, don't have a normal game day routine. Yeah. So I would just kind of cold shower in the morning to wake me up. And, now cold shower, we're talking like, like we're talking like Marines cold tub type, like just really just, cold, just like ice hard cold ass. Shower, yeah. Wow. Okay. You know, I got a good story about my buddy. He came down at the end of the season last year for a week. Uh, my old goalie coach, Shane Clifford, remembered yep. he came down for the week. Uh, and my best friend from back home, Hunter, he came down for the week. And so the season was over and we have a great practice facility in Jersey. We have a, we just put in a little basketball court there in the back. So a lot of the time we play basketball back there. And so we're out back there just playing basketball. We went in for a workout. And uh, so we had a little wager um, that loser has to stay in the cold tub for, for five minutes. And Ooh. I mean, I was like, I don't, I don't mind that. Like I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm used to that. Um, but Cliffy and Hun Hunter, they're, they're not used to that. So was that uh, the hardest they've ever played basketball? Well, Hunter, I don't think made a basket and he ended up losing it. I wish I took a video of it because it was one of the funniest things I ever seen. He jumped in the cold, cold tub. He didn't last a minute. Our cold tub in Philly is cold. So the one in Lehigh was cold. I think it was like, 43 maybe 44 this one i think is like 30 37 Ooh. Like this one is cold in in philly it's really cold so hunter jumps in there and next thing you know he just starts going i can't breathe i can't breathe like i thought we were gonna have to literally yank him out of the tub i was the like defense. dude just stay in for at least a minute come on man like just breathe come on it's not that bad and so then we yank him out after a minute and he's like 
He's like, I can barely walk, man. I can barely walk. He's like, can you start the uh, hot shower for me, please? Like, it was, I wish I got a video of it. It was funny. That's funny. No, but it also brings us to some of the different techniques you've used to train mentally. And a question that you get all the time in Philly. I, I kind of chuckle when I hear it, but we hear it all the time. The, the whole, you know, Flyers goaltending over the years. And my answer was always been as if anybody's sort of prepared to handle that, it's you. And I get that by the way you answer the question, which is pretty much that it has nothing to do with you. How much of that answer and that mindset comes from all the work you've done? Like, is some of it innate, but or is it, or how much of it is the work you've done mentally to sort of prepare to play at this level? And how much of it is just who Carter Hart is? Like, where's that? Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just who I am, but at the, at the end of the day, um, I've worked with John for, I mean, he was my first goalie coach. So I've been with John since I was 10 years old. Um, so I, that's just something that kind of we've worked on over the years, uh, with how I approach the game and, uh, my mental makeup. Um, but really like, I remember when I got cut from the midget triple A team, this is actually a story I wanted to ask you. So go ahead. I think I know this one. Yeah. I got cut from the midget triple A team and um, I remember I came into Johnny's office. I think I was probably in tears at the time at 15. And, um, I was so mad at the, the coach for not, uh, picking me and for cutting me. And, and then I remember him saying at the end of the day, like you have a goal and you want to make that your ultimate goal is to make the NHL. Um, but right now your goal is to play for the major 15 triple a team. And your goal is just to be there. I mean, it doesn't matter what, Sean Bissell thinks or whatever, or that was the coach at the time in Major Triple A. And this it was, doesn't, it doesn't, there's another layer to this though. You had already been at Everett's camp in yeah. the WHL at the age of 15. And from what I, I got was sent told, back a bit late. Yeah. Camp. Like you hung around at camp because you were, they, they were so impressed. You, someone told me you were the best going in camp, but you can't keep a 15 year old. So you go from at that level succeeding to back to minor hockey and they cut you. That, that must have been tough, but you, again, this is the lesson you learned from it. Yeah, you and then can't it, focus on what you can't control. Is that the takeaway? For sure. I mean, you can't control what other people think and their decisions. Um, you just have to worry about the decisions you make and um, how you portray yourself and um, what you do to help yourself become a better person and a better goalie. Um, I know when I got sent down, I was I didn't want to play there. I didn't want to play midget fifteens. I was disappointed, but. Um, I talked to Johnny and then I think when I went down there, I just had to have the mindset that, you know what, I'm here, I'm going to be, make the best of the opportunity I have here and, and be the best goalie I can playing midget 15 triples. I just had to make the most of everything I had there. I, I know I wasn't where I wanted to be, but I wanted to be the best goalie I could be at that level so that that could help me better, uh, where I wanted to go and further my career down the road. We hear quite often, whether it's, I used to do a little golf writing as well, PGA Tour stuff, whether it's goalies or golf, the next shot, next shot you're hitting or the next shot you're facing, that stay in the present mindset that everybody wants to achieve. It's usually easier to say than it is to do, but was that a great lesson to have at 15 that what had just happened doesn't matter and looking too far ahead can't help you? Yeah, I mean, I think you never want to look too far ahead. I know, but it's easy to say it is tough to for do sure. It. For sure. It is. I know when I got, when I got drafted at Everett or when I went to my first camp and I got, then I went back to midget. I said to myself, I want to be here now. I don't want to go back to midget. I want to be here. I want to be here. 
Um, but that's not the reality. And when you, when I came back and then I got sent down to minors, I, I just had to make the most of what I had and be the best that I could be at that level. So that when I do make the jump up to the next level that I'm ready. And that was the approach that I had in juniors from when I went to the American league level. And then from the American league level to the NHL level, I had to make the most of where I was, be the best that I can be every day. So that when I do get that opportunity that I'm ready. It's funny. I was going to ask you, you already answered, but I was going to ask you how well that served you last year, starting in the American league. I remember talking to you towards the end of your WHL career and you know, you had a confidence that you could play in the NHL. And yet the first step was the American league. Um, didn't go smoothly at the beginning. How much of that was off ice and how much did that lesson again, serve you well to, to sort of be there, be present and take advantage of, of the learning opportunities before you made your way up? No, I mean, it was, it was both on and off the ice and adjustment. I mean, junior to pro. I've been told that's the biggest it's a big jump. Yeah. People don't realize how big of the jump major junior or, whatever level college a lot of goalies to, will tell us it's it's a bigger jump from junior to the ahl than it is ahl to the nhl for sure i mean it's pro hockey and it's still good hockey and people don't realize how good the american league is but there is a huge difference in the american league from juniors where you're on your own like i know you have your teammates and everybody there at the rink but you're you don't have a billet family anymore my billet parker folds he took care of me for three and a half years there in everett um and he's like my grandpa now, but uh, he did everything for me and which was great, but probably didn't help me <laughs> my first year there. And, uh, first couple months there in the minors, um, I had to learn the hard way. I forgot to pay my electric bill the first weekend we were there, had no electricity for four days. Um, I had to manage my time better, make sure I paid my bills on time, do laundry, make pregame meal, cook. And I wasn't used to that. And that was a bit of an adjustment for time management. Um, going forward and it's something that I've completely uh, learned from last year to now is that I've definitely managed my time a lot better and um, make sure that I have all my things done off the ice so that I there I have no distractions that I can just play at my best okay now one of the things I was told that you brought a nutrition or you asked the flyers to send you a nutritionist to help you learn how to cook for yourself and shop for yourself is that do I have that right no so our nutritionist Nairi she's great she's she's been a huge help um, she actually offered to come up and help when I was in Lehigh for the first month uh, to come up actually grocery shopping with me help me shop and uh, pick out things that I need to have around the house at all times for food and for healthy snacks. And then she also came up with, I think, three or four recipes of meals that are like intrigued me that I was interested in eating. And they looked appetizing to me and going and getting the ingredients themselves so that I could prepare those. Um, and she was a huge help. She came up the one time there. And then when I got called up in December, uh, she came up with me again, actually twice more uh, in the second half of the uh, season to help me with different recipes and we're actually going to go back next, uh, next week again. And she's got a couple of recipes for me and we're going to go and, uh, go shopping and pick out the ingredients we need. Nice to have that support, but you also have to be willing to use it. And again, want it's all again, the part of being a pro learn how to eat properly, take advantage of that resource and, yeah. you know, have a desire to recognize how important nutrition is to being at your best. For sure. And I think it's something that I, I learned from last year and like, like we talked about earlier with, how quick the turnaround can be with back-to-backs uh, and three and fours. And um, it's important in the fuel you put into your body is it needs to be clean and it needs to be 
it needs to match the schedule that you have. I think that's something that I learned, um, especially this summer with my training days that I would skate and work out on the same day. I would work out Monday to Friday, but Monday, Tuesday, Thursdays, I'd skate with my goalie coach, Schwartzy, um, Dustin back, Schwartz, yeah, back yeah. home. And so those days, some days I would feel really, really tired after the, like my skate. So I'd work out and then I would skate and I would just feel exhausted. It'd be, it'd be maybe one o'clock and I wouldn't want to do anything. I'd just go sit on the couch and do nothing. So I had to make sure that I wasn't getting enough carbs on the, the night before on those days. So I, I kind of, on those days, I would ramp up my carbs, keep my protein level high, but I would make sure that my carbohydrates were higher so that I did have energy the next day to feel better and have longer lasting energy. I want to ask you a couple more in regards to John Stevenson and the work. Concentration grits. Do you still do them? <laughs> yeah, I actually haven't done one in a while. But did you? Just, um, did you? But when you were hurt last year, did you I, go back and start yeah, doing them yeah, again? Yeah, that's something that I talked to him about, and something that I I did to make sure that I helped me stay sharp. Um, How does it help? Like, can is it can concentration it help? grids? I mean, there's. I just used to start off with ten by ten, then I went to fifteen by fifteen. Uh, I'm not sure what the record was for 15 by 15, but I think your I 10 by 10 was like a 10 minute by and 10. Half. I, have, I do have the record for that one. I do know that, but what, what do you know? About the it's numbers? a minute 45. Minute yeah. 45. Minute 45 I was I, 10 we, by we 10. tried it. I think the closest I got like three or four minutes was the best <laughs> I did. I felt good about that, but now I'm feeling kind of meek. <laughs> no, it's something that I, I was, I started doing at a really young age. I think I want to say I was 13 when I started doing those concentration grids. Um, and I don't think I got till a minute 45 till I was 15, maybe. Okay. So something so, I worked at for a long so you're, time. So you're forced to focus for a period of time, but it is also, a, is there a visual acuity element to it in terms of being able to, while you're checking off one, you're already scanning ahead for the next one. Like, is there a visual element as well as a mental concentration here? Yeah. And there's also like other things that I would do with concentration grids. I would just do it on my iPad. And sometimes I would do it in front of the television set uh, when I was younger, just so that I could focus in on. I could put on my favorite show or whatever, a hockey game or whatever on TV and do a concentration grid so that I would keep, try and keep my focus on doing what's in front of me, not let my mind wander. And that's, that's actually good. I never, I never, yeah. I never thought of doing it that way. Um, any, are there any other takeaways? We know about the water bottle and the spray, and we've, we've talked with you about that in the past and Holtz about that. Any little mental tips? Like, I think the concentration grid, you're, you, we're going to have like hundreds of kids now going to the <laughs> website, the concentration grid website and trying their own. Are there any other little takeaways, things you learn from John that, you know, you do, whether it's on a daily basis or every once in a while, you, 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 you touch base with it to sort of, all right, where are you on the juggling? Are you four ball yet? Or? I'm not. No, I, I'm there, but I'm not where I want to be. I can do four, but maybe for like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and then I go. So I'm not where I want to be, but I'm working on it. It's getting better. But so, is that legit? Like we see people juggling all the time and I've, you know, I mean, I know what the eye hand coordination as well as the ability to sort of, again, uh, manage sort of different objects in different spatial awareness. Yeah. Um, some people kind of poo poo it a little bit. Like what, what is it meant to you? I mean, juggling, I just learned on a YouTube video in the basement when I was 14, I think. Um, and then last year, two years ago, no, last year, last, uh, before last season, uh, he challenged me to do four balls. And so then I started working on that and it started, started getting there, but it wasn't where I wanted it to be. And it's still, I'm working on it. And then now he's got another challenge for five balls because five players on the ice. So that was, that's his next challenge. So I got the YouTube video, how to juggle five balls. And, um, that's, that's going to be the next challenge is to do five balls. 
and it's funny because you, you mentioned that, but like we work like some of the neuro, some of the, and I know his wife had that as well. The, I can't remember the name of the neuro tracker, right? Did you ever do that one where it's this sort of multi-object tracking yeah, that on was a computer? The Cognizance neuro tracker. Yeah. I did do that when I was younger. And then now I progressed to, uh, I work with, it's called Visual Edge with Adam Micheletti from St. Louis. Okay. Uh, so John actually partnered with them as well. Um, and it's just on my iPad. I have it here with me. Um, so it's nice that it's on my iPad, the program. Um, I can do it whenever I want, whether I'm at home, at the rink, on the road. Um, and it takes about 15, 20 minutes. Um, so it's a lot easier than Do you do it on me. like a game day or like do you, or just every day. once in a while? Like No, what? about two to three times a week is where I do it. Okay. Um, just on an off day and on do a you practice feel the day usually. Or is it just sort of one of those skills you try and keep sharp? I think it's something that I you can always keep improving is your tracking and your vision. Um, for me, that's something that I really prioritize in my game. So I think any other, any edge that you can find to help improve that part of your game, I try to find those, uh, pieces that can help me. Okay. You talked about tracking. What is tracking to you? Cause you have worked with Dusty Schwartz and obviously I've done some work and, and we have a background and a shared history with him and, and guys like Lyle Mast and, um, sort of the head trajectory is the word, but you know, the sort of new efficiency of movement tied to tracking and how you track pucks versus just look at the damn puck. What does it mean to you? What's what roles it played in your evolution? Yeah, I think it's something in my game that I prioritize um, when I play. Uh, it's something that I've worked on for a long time with Schwartzy, with Lyle. Um, and it's is it more than just watch the puck? And yet it's as simple as that at the same time. I think it's I think it's everything with ice awareness. Um, mobility, movement. Um, I think it's really important that it's you're trying to be as efficient as you can in the net. Um, like, I mean, it's the the saying is less is more, but right. I mean that's the truth, really. Um, trying to do less than doing more can be beneficial in the net. Um, less movement to get to a puck means more time to track. Um, I don't know. I think it's something that is how you track can improve the efficiency of your movement. Is that fair to say? For sure. That, for sure. That's kind can. of the yeah. way I you'd like to sum it up sometimes. For sure. It can. It's how it's not just look at the puck. It's how you look at the puck can sort of create biomechanical triggers that allow you to yeah. be more efficient. I but I think there's other aspects of the game where it's not just tracking. There's right. uh, reads, there's ice awareness, puck handling, um, traffic work. And I think tracking can uh, definitely fall into those categories. But there's also other other things that uh, involve that are uh, in those categories that kind of affect those things. When you transition to pro, the one change I noticed in your game, and maybe I over noticed it, or maybe I'm just noticing it wrong. Glove position change for you? Has I gone a little more fingers up since yeah, you a little from bit junior has. to pro? And what, has, can you walk yeah. me through? So it started actually. Process? It was a little bit up in my last year junior, from when I was uh, 18. When I was 18, I kept my hands actually fairly low. Um, and, and kind of back on my body. So I started to kind of get beat up high a lot more and I um, kind of moved my hands up a little bit more, just kind of with my body position and my stance. Um, I just found that I had better access to the puck with my hands up and off my body than what I did with my hands kind of back and low. At the pro level, is there a visual element too in terms of guys not thinking there's space there at all? And, and, and maybe it isn't for you. I just remember for Lundquist, that was one of the things as a smaller guy who played deep, sort of having that, visual cue there that it, that that space wasn't there was a part of it, his transition to it yeah i mean i think for me it's something that with my tracking um 
I keep my hands up and off my body so that I have less uh, less movement to, to go to a puck um, to execute a save. Out in um, front of you too. Yeah, and keep them out in front of my body. But um, I just find that, especially when they come in closer to you, I keep my hands up and off my body. I mean, the puck comes in closer, really, we have the advantage because we should have to move less because there's less net to shoot at. That makes a ton of sense. Last one. Relationship and takeaways from what you've learned from Braden Holpe. I know you guys obviously have a mutual mentor in John Stevenson. You guys have talked in the past. Like, what, you, what have you taken away from him? And, and what is, are there any tips that he passed along that helped you in this transition over the past year? I mean, it's, it's always nice when we play the Caps. We usually have a nice chat after the game. He's an awesome guy. Um, most of the time now, we're just chatting about life and how things are going on. And, um, but no, I mean, he's, he's been an elite goaltender for a long time in the NHL. He's won a Vesna. He's won a Cup now. Um, he's been a longtime client and student and friend of Johnny. And um, I'm lucky that I've gotten the chance to, to kind of know him a little bit now. And um, it's been pretty cool to, to get the chance to play against him. Was he um, your guy growing up? Like, because you had that, or was he a yeah, guy that so you looked Terry at? Or there Price, other guys? Terry Carey's Price the was guy. my favorite goalie growing up, and Braden Holpe was another guy I really looked up to as well. And those two guys were the guys I followed closely growing up, um, just with how calm they play in the net. I mean, Kerry is probably the most, probably the best skater, smoothest skater in the NHL, I think. Um, and I mean, Braden is a, is a very good skater as well. He's one of the best as well. And, um, those two guys, how they play, they don't overmove a lot, um, and it's it's really cool to watch, um, especially growing up, uh, following NHL goalies when you're younger, and just kind of seeing what they do on a daily basis, how they play, and maybe seeing if some of those things in, in their game can maybe translate into your game, and one or two things you can maybe add to your game. That's perfect, Carter. Got to let you go because part of being a pro is taking care <laughs> of your body. You got an appointment to get to. Thank you very much for spending the time. I know our listeners are going to get an absolute ton out of this. All right, thank you. Thank you, Carter. And ladies and gentlemen listening to the podcast, tell your friends, tell your coaches, tell your tandem mates, this is why people listen to In Goal Radio, the podcast, because you hear from the athletes themselves and you hear them tell stories or experiences that you have never heard before. And that was a insightful interview from a player who is as mentally prepared as, as anybody coming onto the scene, but also had to battle through that, uh, that experience of making the national hockey league, Woody it's, and, and he showed a bit of vulnerability there. Yeah. I was a little surprised. Like, I mean, it's funny because what I've often said about Carter is, I love the way he answers the questions about the ghosts of goalies past in Philadelphia. Like it has nothing to do with him. And I think if anybody's equipped to handle the extra pressure that comes with all those questions, it's Carter because of all the mental training he's done with John Stevenson. And we've had glimpses into that. And he talked about at the time we spent with John and some of the anecdotes that John shared, Carter confirmed them. Um, He puts in the work. Anybody that says he's just naturally this, this, this perfect mindset to handle Philly. Well, no, like maybe some of it's natural, but he also like cultivates it with the work he does on his mental game. So I was shocked when he tells me for the first couple of weeks of his NHL career, he struggled to sleep. Not shocked that he went out and found a solution in the cold showers, 
But um, that surprised me. I'd never heard that before. I don't think I've ever, you know, read or heard anything about that before him talking that openly about it. Um, great Wait, tip for and, goalies. And I, he's not the first. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't think he's the only guy that's ever oh. come up to the National Hockey League and had trouble sleeping. But you're right. You think because he's got his this incredible background that it would have been seamless. Yeah, you just, and, like and, he makes it look so easy mentally. Yeah. He handles everything else so so well. You think, oh, this would be easy too. But he admits that it, it was a process. And and again, having tools to handle those challenges are to me are part of what separates him. But then you like some other great takeaways for goalies. Like he used to stretch every night for forty five minutes before he went to bed, but found himself getting less less flexible. And I like as I said in the interview, I know Maria Mountain's going to love that because he was just doing too much static stretching and not enough dynamic. So he altered it. He recognized something in his body that wasn't working as well as it was before, sought out the source of the problem and made a change in his training. The work he did this summer. Like, I just think, you know, I, you could sum it up. It would be an oversimplification, but we often hear about young guys learning how to be a pro. Like, yes. Yeah, this I love kid that is, you brought that up in the interview. It's, it's that, that's something that's thrown around all the time and rarely discussed. I mean, you see how structured the game is for kids from Bantam through junior to the NHL. And I always, always quite frankly wondered how do guys get into the NHL and not understand how to be a pro? And, and in some cases it's, it's pretty blatant stuff, I think. And, but in this one, the subtleties and, and the, the level of professionalism is a fantastic lesson for everybody. Well, and it's funny, like not to piggyback it off Corey Hirsch's thing. Um, Cause it's not really a mental health thing, but not being afraid to ask for help. Like that's yeah. sometimes you're a young kid in the NHL and you just think you just do what you're supposed to do and you keep your head down and you're like, he wasn't afraid to ask for help or it was offered and he accepted it. Like, you know, how many 21 year olds or 20 year old kids are going shopping with a nutritionist so they can learn how to take care of themselves and make sure they're putting the right fuel into their body um, so that they can perform at their best as they try and become a number one goaltender at such a young age. I just think that there's that, you know, it's, it's being a pro and, and it crosses all aspects of his game. And that's why I'm not surprised by his success. And that's why I've been so bullish on his future. There are probably going to be ups and downs. There are going to be hiccups. There are for every goaltender. But he's just a kid that if he sees a problem, he, he goes out and finds a way, finds a mechanism, finds something that's going to help him solve that problem and get better as a result. And, you know, Maybe that sounds like an oversimplification, but when you hear him talk about the details in so many different aspects of his game, it's just hard not to be impressed with the kid. And I got to say, apologies for the background noise. I'm not sure how much of it came through, um, but we were basically just sitting in a cafe uh, at the hotel they were staying at in Vancouver. So there was a fair, it wasn't busy when we started. It got busy as we got going and we just sat there and chatted for a good half hour. And I can't thank him enough for taking the time to do that for on behalf of our audience as well. Yeah. It got me thinking back um, to the interview with Thatcher Demko way back in one of the early episodes that you did, Kevin, about another young goaltender who prepared himself so well uh, to move up to the professional ranks. And how often, I mean, we, we talk about kids being interested in doing the work, in loving the game so much that they'll be in their backyard shooting a thousand pucks a day, going to every shinny opportunity. But for young goaltenders, it's a little bit tougher to know what could I be doing when I'm sitting at home and I want to become a better goaltender? Uh, and now you have the recipe sort of laid out for you here by Carter Hart. I, I would suggest by Thatcher Demko as well. 
I had a had an interesting lunch on the weekend, guys, with Pete Fry, who is John Stevenson's partner in the summer seminar series uh, on mindset training. And Pete actually laid out um, a fascinating sort of one hour uh, daily practice for young goaltenders that fits in a, a bit of the stuff that we just heard from Carter Hard um, and, and then a number of other things that I think we'll bring to end goal fairly soon as an article. But it involved things like the concentration grids. It involves some of the juggling in a, in a fairly structured way. Um, so, yeah, I'm really interested in, in how it's not just about that transition from junior into pro, but, but what can we do for, for the younger goaltenders um, around? With the one caveat that, that moms and dads listening to this, please don't just sort of sit down your eight-year-old goaltender and tell them they all have to do an hour of concentration grids. Um, take note of when it was that Carter started doing these things, and I'm guessing most of it was self-driven, Kevin. Well, also take note we talk about Thatcher Demko. Um, and we talk about the different tools you can use. Well, Thatcher's big transformation as a pro was in finally walking away from doing too much of that preparation where you can go from feeling like you're doing the work to prepare to being overwhelmed and exhausted by the time you finish the work to prepare. Carter Hart gets injured, has extra time on his hands, goes back to doing concentration grids. But as he said in the interview, right now, as he's busy as the number one goaltender of the Philadelphia Flyers, um, he's not doing concentration kids on a regular basis. He is doing other work there, but he picks and chooses what he needs and when he needs it so that he maintains sort of a healthy balance. And, and again, there's all these different tools, but you also have to recognize when too much is too much as well. So, Yeah, well, there's practice and preparation, and they're different in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, well said. The... Um... The idea that you have a young goaltender who's who's open can be so enlightful, uh, insightful for athletes coming up because we hear from former athletes all the time and what they went through. But to hear somebody that's doing it right now in the early stages of his career is is incredibly unique. Uh, before we go, uh, coming up in, I don't know whether it'll be next week or the week after, but uh, we have uh, an interview with Chris Osgood. We should. We are efforting. We have yep. had to. We didn't get it in person, but we've set up a phone call time. Sounds great. And the uh, and the in goal code for uh, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, before we uh, before we wrap up this episode, but uh, has so focused so much on on Carter Hart. In goal twenty. You don't want your gear to stink. Use in goal twenty. Thehockeyshop.com. Search uh, for uh, sports spray. We'll have a link. Check our social media for the link. Just go on, and as, you, as you're going through the purchase process, type in goal 20 for 20% off. Uh, as I said to Cam, sometimes my game stinks, but my gear never does. Ooh. Wow. That's, that's as that, good as um, that segue, I think. You need the tagline, Hall of Fame. I, I enjoyed it when you said it the first time, and uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't get old, and that's, that might be the, uh, the best advertisement for the entire entire product uh hutch woody uh thanks for your contributions off the top and uh to the listeners send us your starter your tandem your backup remember your backup can't be involved in your tandem it's just something we decided to to put in there or i made the rules but uh give us uh, give us your comments and uh, and your opinions and once more uh we discover that the the heart of hockey starts in the crease for Kevin Woodley, David Hutchison, I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening to Ingle Radio, the podcast. We'll talk to you next time.